welcome and thank you for joining us. This is Colors in the Void. My name is Matt. I'm here with Billy from Hawaii, and we're going to talk today about parenting. This is the second part in our three-part series. Today's topic will be the art of the parent-child communication. Hey, Billy, how are you doing today? Hey, Matt. I'm doing great. Got another great day in Hawaii, Nay. Can't complain. Great. How you been doing? What's yeah, it's great. Great. It's a it's a beautiful June day. Sun is shining and everything is right with the world. Um, so nice. Colors in the Void is uh, where two great friends, Billy and Matt, gather to talk about the meaning of life and, and various different puzzles and riddles that perplex us all. Everything from love and music to parenting. And uh, next week's topic, Billy, why don't you tell them, give them a little foreshadowing for our, our topic next week. Yeah, next week um, we're going to be taking a break from our three-part parenting series. Again, today is uh, part two. And uh, next week we will be tackling the sticky subject of addiction. And I'm looking forward to diving into that topic with you, Matt. Maybe we can get a couple guests on board. Yeah, perhaps. Um, that's something that I think affects everyone at some point in their life. You either know somebody who struggles with addiction or you yourself has struggled with addiction. So we'll tackle that next next week. Colors in the Void is an accepting place where two lifelong friends explore emotions, vulnerability, life, death, disease, addiction, meditation, marriage, friendship, music, and more. And if you're existing on a higher plane, we welcome you. And if you're searching for answers or carrying something heavy, we hope we can lighten your load. Our main goal is happiness. We try to tie it all back to living a, a happier and, and more fulfilling life. So hopefully you'll you'll find some value in that. Um, our, our last parenting episode, Navigate the Parent-Child Relationship, that was from May 22nd. You can find that on iTunes. Today we'll talk about the parent-child communication. And then uh, our third installment uh, will be July 10th, Building the Parenting Bridge. Uh, and uh, we have a, a special guest that we hope will, will join us there. If not, you know, uh, we will certainly celebrate some of her amazing work in the world of parenting. Her name is Susan Michael Barrett. A link to her blog and Facebook page are in the show notes. So let's kick it off, Billy. Um, what are some of the ground rules for communication with your children? I'm a father of two, and I know you are as well. Um, Likewise, me, yeah. Yeah, tell us something that you feel is kind of the ground zero for for starting a a good communication relationship with your child. Well, um, I'll kind of piggyback a little bit, Matt, on one of the themes that came out of our first parenting episode um, a few weeks ago. I think really the foundation for parenting and then communication and many of our other parenting strategies uh, can branch off of this. But really as an adult, as a father, as a mother, as a parent, we need to be acutely aware of our own emotions and our own feelings. Um, these are transmitted through communication, a lot of times non-verbally, um, but a lot of times verbally also. And you know, what was that saying? Like, you know, communication is 10% sp- spoken word, and the rest is, you know, the energy and the emotions behind it. I'm not sure exactly uh, what that quote is, but to be really aware of what you're giving to the other person as far as your energy and emotions is really crucial um, in parenting and especially in communication, I think. Yeah, you know, I think the way I would answer that question is um, 
it's about respect. You know, I think a lot of times as parents, we, we have our own agenda, our own way of seeing the world and, and our own kind of expectation for what, what, what the child should think or is thinking, or we, we assume we know where they're at. And I think it's really about just kind of stopping for a moment to, to a respect that your child has, has feelings and to celebrate those and, and to let those feelings come out in a, appropriate positive way and that doesn't always it's not always clean sometimes that gets messy sometimes it's awkward sometimes it's uncomfortable but you know kids need to know it's okay to express something they're struggling with or or you know even even if the way they express that isn't exactly as you would design it I think letting them know that it's okay in a safe place to kind of let their feelings out good bad or indifferent is really important so just that that conduit of respect just to say let me go ahead and just suspend everything that I think and just really focus on listening to what you've got to say and what you're going through. And I think if you can do that consistently, you start to create an environment where your child is not intimidated. He's not going to get judged. You know, they're not going to get uh, into a situation where you're going to put words in their mouth or tell them how they're supposed to be feeling, that you're just going to stop for a moment to really hear where they're at and, and let them know that's okay. I think too many times we shut them down or, we say, oh, you know, stop crying, stop whining, or, you know, don't be such a baby. You know, there's all these mantras that we grow up with, and I think it's real important to say, hey, I hear what you're saying. You know, tell me more about that. What's going on with you? Why Why yeah. are you feeling that way? Um, and I know you have a lot right. of experience in that area of child psychology. You know, do you have any additional things you want to add to that? Well, I, you're just – that's gold, Matt, <clears throat> pure gold right there. And a couple things came up for me as you were mentioning – uh, this idea of respect and the first uh, and respecting our children. And the first I think is realizing as a parent that your child is his or her own human being. They're separate from you and they're going to have different ways of seeing the world and they're going to have different ways of approaching things and just uh, being uniquely themselves. And I think a lot of times what I see um, is a parents expecting uh, a, a mini me, like a, a little clone of the parent. And if you're not thinking the way I'm thinking, or if you're not doing things the way that I'm doing, then that's a problem and that's wrong. But recognizing the differences um, in all humans, and especially between a parent and a child, um, allows that respect because you, you then are able to uh, see things a little bit differently through their eyes and allow them to teach you what their worldview is about. If it's uh, how much certain things hurt or how much they like things or don't like things and having uh, that, that type of respect to see them as uniquely different than us is really crucial, um, especially yeah. as our, our children get older um, and going into the teen years and then developmentally they are supposed to be starting launching from the family system, you know, and that happens right around puberty time. And um, I see oftentimes a lot of, families in my office, Matt, that get jammed up at this developmental milestone in the family development because parents are wanting to uh, coach their kids continually. And I talk about the shift in parenting that's necessary uh, when our children go from uh, youth to adolescence <clears throat> or, you know, past puberty. And I, I kind of make the analogy, it's like going from a coach to a manager where a coach is really hands-on, you're teaching your kids how to do things, and that's what happens when they're, when they're little. Um, but as they become older, they need to 
create their own place. They need to do things on their own volition, and we should allow that as parents because that's really what we're hoping for is the, the best adult, I would, I would think. Um, and so a manager is really hands-off. They're up in the skybox. They don't even know what plays are being called. They still hold the container, and they're looking at outcomes, but they're not so much involved in the, uh, uh, the day-to-day details. Um, yeah, that's a lot and, of work coming that, up about that. The, the coach manager, that's a good analogy. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tweak it just a little, and it's, um, you know, you're really a mentor and a leader of your children at that point as they, as they grow older. Really, even when they're young, that's true. You have to coach them on how to bunt and how to steal bases, you know, and, and in the, the, you know, early childhood development, that, that might be, you know, putting things away neatly or, you know, um, playing nice with others or, you know, learning how to read. But still, at some level, you're, 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 you're their example, even at a young age and right through adolescence. It's, hey, if mommy and daddy are reading quietly a few hours a week, the kids start to do that. If mommy and daddy are able to kind of share their strong emotions with each other without, you know, throwing dishes, you know, that's, you know, you, you are the example of your children. And, and that becomes, sounds like you're saying that becomes more and more important when you can no longer really teach them the fundamentals of the game anymore, but you're more about mentoring and leading them through that next phase of life. That's, that's good stuff. Um, hey, Bill, yeah, to circle back on something that you said earlier, I, I, I don't know the source of this, but I'm looking at a chart here and it says 55% of our communication is body language. 38% is the tone in which we deliver, and only 7% uh-huh. is actually the words we say. Great. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. Exactly. All these nonverbal things are really playing a lot into that. So I was reading something, and Susan Michael Barrett, you know, one of my parenting mentors, and, and you know, if, if we don't get a chance to have her on the show or whether we do or we don't, definitely try to find some of her work and some of her – musings and, and posts, and, and she's just been a really great uh, parenting mentor for so many. Um, but mm-hmm. she talked about, you know, it's really about getting down to their level, like literally physically getting down to their level, onto your knees, yeah. eye to eye. Um, yeah. You know, just that, that, that shows commitment and respect. And you had said something about, you know, we, we talk about this before in some of our other parenting. It's so easy to bully your kids. It's like the most unsporting thing you can possibly do is to bully them, manipulate them. Um, and it's very destructive to do that. You know, what you want to do is mentor and lead them to find who they are. You want them to be unique individuals, as you said, Billy, but you, you want to try to have them find that themselves and find it naturally. We don't give our kids nearly enough credit, and that's something Susan taught me. These are very, yeah. very smart, pure things, and even when they're super young and you don't really think they know anything, they know a ton of stuff, you know, not necessarily math and reading per, perhaps, but they are very intuitive, they're very pure, and they're very gifted. And, you know, the world changes and, and, and can jade them, and, and your parenting style is crucial to be open and nurturing, you know, all the way through all stages of development. But especially, you know, my kids are getting to that prepubescent slash pubescent uh, area, and um, I think we have a good foundation of, of having an open dialogue and good communication um, always can be improved upon. But they're not as rebellious or they're not shutting us out nearly as much as I think some of our other parent counterparts might be experiencing because we've been trying to keep that open conduit. Um, I remember I said right. something to my son. I said, uh, no matter what you do, you know, no matter if you ever, you're going to make mistakes in your life and 
I, I, I love you unconditionally. You can never, ever do anything that would, you know, have my disapproval or have me not love you. And remember that. You're going to do some things that you're going to struggle with, and you can always talk to me and tell me about it. And I won't, I won't judge you. I won't get angry. I'll just try to help you through it as best I can. I've been through a lot in my life, and hopefully there's some things I've learned I can share with you. And I don't know if he'll take me up on it, but at least I'm giving him that message that, you know, that I'm here for you, and, and that's what we want. We want our kids, when they get into crisis, they get into trouble, they're starting to veer off the path, that, A, you're close enough to be able to see it, you're in, a, you're in tune with them to see it, and that, you know, hopefully they would give you some signs that would allow you to, to try to guide and, and help them through it. Yeah, you know, I think that's so so beautiful, and you really do have wonderful kids, and it's a testament to you and your wife's parenting. Um, but one of the things, uh, or I shouldn't say but, and one of the things that uh, comes up for me as you're saying this, and um, as a parent, we have to reinforce the truth, even if it sucks. So, um, you know, I see a lot of times parents will say, um, you know, I want to have an open relationship with my kid. I want them to tell me everything. I think every parent, you know, searches for that. But then when the kid comes and says, oh, mom, by the way, I had sex for the first time, and mom freaks out and makes it a huge negative experience, that's the very last time that that truth is going to be reinforced and the very last time that the, the kid will probably speak a truth. Um, you know, if you're asking your kid, hey, do you smoke weed? And if the kid says yes, and then they get consequent, guess what? They're not going to tell you again. And that's a really hard thing to do as a parent. And I hear a lot of parents say, oh, I'm, I'm letting them get away with it if I don't get angry. And they feel like the anger or the, the scolding or the negative emotional presence is somehow serves a purpose, but it serves no purpose. It just shuts down the truth and um, it puts the child in a fierce spot and then there's distance in the relationship. I think it's really hard to do as a parent, but you have to reinforce the truth if that's what you're hoping for. Right, right. That's a good point. I mean, you're not trying to condone bad behavior, but you, you need to resist the urge to react to it the way you, you probably originally and instinctually think you should. Um, right. Because it's, it's already done. You know, now you have to say, okay, well, if I'm going to continue this, this, you know, our final episode is about the bridge, uh, parenting bridge, and this is part of that, that structural mm-hmm. foundation. But, you know, hopefully you're doing it early enough where you, you, you can be in a dialogue with that person about, you know, that child about peer pressure and about some of the things they're going to face. And, you know, they, they might tell you about some kids who are doing some bad things and you can kind of mentor them before it happens. But invariably they're going to do something that you're going to cringe about. And, um, you know, whether it be, you know, getting pregnant or, or, or doing drugs or hurting someone or, um, you know, at that moment you have to say, how do I heal this? How do I help this child make a better decision next time? And the, the very worst way to do that is to get angry and judge them and, and you know, intimidate them because all, all that does is just shut down the pathway of discussion and discovery. Uh, and your job at that point how can I keep the book open and the flow of information going, not how do I shut right. it down? So I, I would be right. devastated if some of those things happened, but, but my, I know, at least I can say objectively talking about it, I don't know if I could pull it off in the, in the moment, but my goal should be, okay, what's the rebuilding process here? How, you know, obviously it's, it's a big wound to, to my parenting that this child has made such a, a horrible mistake, but, 
I don't want to compound hmm. that horrible mistake by making one myself and, and by, you know, lashing out at them. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I, when you say a horrible mistake, I guess I, I think a little bit differently that way. Um, you know, as I commented, I think I interrupted you before, you know, it's a good thing you and I never did anything stupid, right, Matt? Um, right, yeah. You know, We're perfect. <laughs> right. It's a it's a part of of humanity to experience what we we call these illicit type of behaviors. If it's you know, I call them super behaviors, the sex and the drugs, and then you know, just add rock and roll on top. But these super behaviors, people freak out about, like you know, uh, sexuality or altering consciousness. When in actuality, it's so much a normal part of humanity. And by keeping the open communication, I think what happens is that we allow our children to have a very healthy relationship with the things that they're going to face in an everyday adult world, which are things that I think it's hard as parents to stomach that, oh, my gosh, my daughter might be having sex or my kid might be using drugs or drinking. But this is something that's going to be available to them 24-7 when they're an adult. So to have a conversation and an open conversation early and not so much an educational one but just how do you as a parent help your child form a relationship with these things and the relationship could be um i tried it i don't like it i don't want it in my life or the relationship could be your kid says hey i really like getting drunk and okay how are we going to help you manage this relationship as you move into adulthood but having it be non-judgmental i guess allows, I think, much more of a harm reduction approach than an abstinence model where it's, here's a lockbox, whatever you do, don't look at it. You know, that never, ever works. And it probably reinforces more of the maladaptive behavior than the healthy behavior. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, you know, each person listening is going to have a different line of demarcation about what they would define as being a, 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 a big deal and what's not, you know, whether it be, you know, playing with fireworks or graffiti or sex or drugs or rock and roll, whatever it might be, we'll all have different values and different things that we've defined as kind of being over the line or being something that, you know, and and I I, I said it was my fault or I would be, you know, but really what I'm saying is, you know, I'll just take something innocuous, let's say, you know, vandalism. You know, it's hopefully we're in a conversation and the mentoring I've done is that, you know, we respect each other's property. We, everybody works really hard. Their mom and dads, you know, do a lot of sacrifices to make sure that they have things. And then, you know, you don't cross that line of stealing things from other people or or damaging other people's property. And hopefully that, that conversation, that, that culture of our family has respected that among each other and, and among our community and we've talked about what that looks like and, and that some kids, you know, think it's really fun to break windows or to vandalize or to do drugs or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. we've kind of defined, you know, that there's an appropriate thing to do. We, we live in a society of rules and, you know, it doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean sometimes, you know, those lines get, get clouded. But I don't, I don't want the, the child not to know kind of what the culture of our family is on some of these topics. And that hopefully right. I've had a conversation and a dialogue and, and mentored them to the point where they would know. But if they were to make that mistake, it's not that it, you know, is my fault. It's that, you know, may, maybe I, I didn't underscore the importance of that or some of the alternatives they could have sought instead of making that particular choice. 
you know, at different stages in your life. Like I'm not going to come down to my 25 year old kid for having a few beers, but you know, my 14 year old, I, I would have some, some hard, strong feelings about that. And, and, you know, the moral of the story is no matter how I'm feeling, all I can do is try to nurture him through that, try to keep the lines of communication flowing. And the worst way to accomplish that goal is by lashing out or, you know, really coming down hard on him. It's more about just regroup and say, okay, we lost that battle. You know, how, how would we want to shape and guide and, and teach this child to do things more responsibly or in moderation or other outlets where you could accomplish some of the same things you're seeking that, you know, are less destructive or less dangerous. Um, right, right. So, you know. Right. Um, hey, let me ask you, you a can, question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, did I interrupt the thought there? No, no. Okay. So, um, what would you say, we're talking about communication uh, between parent and child, what would be the one biggest um, insult to a, a healthy communication line between the parent and child? What's the one thing the parent can do that's most damaging? Oh, God, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. You know, j- judging, um, ignoring, dismissing, marginalizing, um, any of those things would be grave errors in the art of communication. Um, I mean, the kid's got to feel like it's a safe place, that you are, you know, they know yeah. you love you, they, that you love them, that you care about them, but they don't want to disappoint and they don't want to share some of those, you know, deeper struggles and and deeper thoughts that they might have. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a rare relationship where you can let that information flow. Um, You know, and and this is a little bit off of what you asked, but, you know, at at some level you, you just have conversations about these different things. So, you know, we talk about peer pressure we talk about, you know, um, my, 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 my son said, Oh, you know, I, I don't want to, those are the fast kids. I don't want to hang out with those kids. You know, I love that. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's, that's well said. <laughs> you know, It's like, slow down. You've got your whole life to grow up. Um, right. You know, one thing I, I remember telling my son that I'm pretty proud of, I was like, you're unique. I said, um, you're not, you can't be pigeonholed in anything. You know, you, you are not the athlete. You are not the brainiac. You are not the musician. You are not, you know, the, the quirky kid or the smart kid or the handsome kid. You, you're, you're you, and you're a combination of all those things. And don't feel like you have to try to be anything or or, or repel from anything. Yeah. You just got to embrace who you are, and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. yeah, and I could tell he liked that. I was like, God, that was, wow, really? I don't have to try to please everybody and be everything to everyone? No. You don't even have to clean well, your room. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when um, the child receives that acceptance from the parents, more than likely the desire to seek that from peers is diminished. It's not going to go away because developmentally where he is and, you know, in uh, middle school and early high school, it's, uh, you know, we're in the identity formation stage. And so you're going to be figuring out how you stack up against everyone else and there's going to be comparing and, uh, that's why there's so much drama in those years, and drama is a platform which you get to play out your identity. Um, but yeah, to have that acceptance from the parents 
of the uniqueness of the child and to recognize and to bring to the surface those uh, unique qualities in, in our children makes a huge difference. And it tells the, you know, the message to the child is, I see you. And I see mm-hmm. all of you, and let me let me tell you, and there's nothing that's more rewarding than that. Even as an adult, right, when you receive an accolade to say, I see you because of your performance uh, on the job, or I see you because of your character, and there's recognition of that, you know, we have ceremonies because of that. That's how important that process is. And to give that to your child on a daily basis is, yeah, that's, that's gold right there. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, well, we got about five minutes left. A good segue into our next episode um, is, you know, and Susan Michael Barrett taught this to me, and I shared it in one of our prior episodes, so I, I, try, I won't try to go into it too deeply, but she teaches a technique where you teach your young children how to, how to kind of argue and, and how, to, how to hear each other's complaints without interrupting and just kind of letting the other person talk, and you, you really just sit there and you kind of listen and listen, and, and then you get a chance to do the same thing, and then you come up with some resolution. But that technique is better explained in the prior episode, and maybe Susan will share her, her, her spin on that when we talk um, on July 10th for our third part in Colors in the Void. It will be our third and final part on, on a parenting series. But what she said, and this kind of ties into our episode next week, which is going to be about addiction, she said when kids don't know how to communicate, when they don't know how to share their emotions, when they can't let it out in an appropriate way, it comes out sideways is what she said. And what she mm-hmm. means by that is addiction, drug abuse, child abuse, suicide, you know, it, it comes out sideways in a very, very bad and unintended way. If you, if you can't, yeah. you know, share those emotions, and, and, and that's really important. And we're going to talk about addiction next week. And I think a lot of, you know, we're all seeking approval. We're all seeking acceptance. And um, we're all trying to be seen and, and be loved and be happy. And when when that goes off the rails or when you are get get into down the wrong path or spiraling in a way that's uncontrollable, you know, addiction can kind of rear its ugly head. And digging your way out of that and finding your way back to that, hopefully we're going to be able to talk about some of those things next week. Um, Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, and this is something that I was carrying from the very beginning of our conversation today, so um, I'm happy to have just a little space here to mention. Um, You know, as a parent, and you're talking about, um, I, I guess let's take a step back here, you're talking about allowing our children to express hard emotions. And one thing I see often, Matt, is that we, as a parent, sometimes we see negative emotions as a problem. So if my child is crying or if my child is frustrated or if my child is mad, it means that there's a problem that needs to be fixed. And sometimes it even reflects on, oh, maybe I'm not a good as a parent because my child's crying a lot. And that's really dangerous and and we need to know we need to let our kids know that having any feeling and expressing that feeling is okay now there's certain behavioral boundaries to that it's not okay to be angry and break windows but it's okay to be angry about that and when we give our children permission for that it really opens up so much in the line of communication and emotional health and well-being for our children Um, so let's not judge those negative emotions as bad thank you yeah, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. It's hard to do, but you're right. It's like, you know, as a parent, we, we want to fix them. We want to rescue them. And that's, that's not really what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to no, acknowledge them, 
give those feelings words, help them understand what they mean and where they're coming from and how they might be able to, you know, let them out more appropriately. Um, hit a, hit right. a pillow. Or, or, or maybe, <laughs> or maybe they're just being appropriate anyways. Like, uh, I know we're running low on time here, but real quickly, my little guy, who's nine years old, um, was he was playing a, a game this morning and got really frustrated because the game wasn't going his way, and he felt like the opponent was getting an advantage, and and he started crying. And just to give him permission of like, hey, you know what? You should be frustrated and sad because things aren't going your way. Good job having that feeling. That's the right feeling to have. It's okay to be frustrated um, instead of why are you frustrated? you know, scolding the feeling. Um, and eventually, you know, he comes back to normal and everything's fine. Um, but we need to give permission for all of those feelings and not um, for certain ones in a box. It's the judgment box, I guess. Right. Otherwise, they, they get buried and suppressed, and, and that starts, starts that inexorable closing off of the communication. So first they stop communicating with you, then they stop communicating with themselves, and then they're living a life of right. denial. And, you know, and that's, it's, you know, and there's really no, it's never too late to change that. It's never too late to to be authentic and open up that conversation with your kids and, and get the ball rolling. I know it feels like a mountain that's impossible to climb, but as they say, it all starts with one step. Um, well, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, this has been Colors in the Void. My name's Matt, and with my co-host, Billy from Hawaii. Hey, Billy, before we go and hit the outro music, what's our Hawaii word of the day? Hawaii word of the day is malama, M-A-L-A-M-A, malama, which is to take care of or to, um, yeah, to take care of, really. Um, so we're malaming, malama-ing our communication with our children.